Yasas. Welcome to Greek Like Me, the podcast for Greeks, Hellenophiles, and anybody else who wants to wander in. I'm your host, Pamela Diotis Wood. Email us at stealthgreek at gmail.com to share comments, questions, and stories about Greeks, Greekness, or your own ethnic background. I'm calling today's episode Greek Lent 101 for a reason. It's actually Great Lent in the Orthodox Church and is observed throughout Orthodoxy. There are the occasional cultural differences between, say, the Russian Orthodox Church and the Greek Church, or the Romanian and Serbian churches. So this is going to be from a Greek, Greek-American perspective, because that's what I know best. And I won't be going into the many layers of this yearly spiritual journey of my faith, or the many beautiful services and hymns special to this time. Just the basics, so people get a chance to know who we are. Why am I talking about Lent at all? Because it's a huge deal in Greek culture. It's shaped our religious life, our home life, and even our relationships to each other. And our Greekness has shaped how we observe Lent, from preparation for the coming fast to the food we eat for over 40 days. It's the focus of our lives right now through April 16th, which is Orthodox Easter. And whether you're practicing the religion or not, if you're Greek, It affects you because of how you were raised or how someone in your family observes Lent. We barely went to church when I was a kid, but we kept the fast. My friends had a lot of questions about why I'd suddenly gone vegan on them. How come I was spending more time in church? And why the volume of conversation at my house had been lowered a decibel or two? Growing up, I was amazed at how little was known about the Orthodox Church outside. Literally, most Americans still have no idea who or what we are. Even working in New York City as a young woman, if someone asked me about my religion and I said Greek Orthodox, they assumed I meant I was an Orthodox Jew. Most folks around the world outside of Orthodox Christian-majority nations don't know a lot about Orthodoxy, much less Great Lent, especially other majority Christian nations. They know less about us than majority Muslim countries do possibly because the largest Christian minorities in those countries have traditionally been Orthodox. I invite you to learn about our customs and why we do the things we do. And we'll talk food. Because we're Greek. The Reverend Alexander Schmemann, who was a professor at St. Vladimir's Eastern Orthodox Seminary in New York State, wrote the seminal book Great Lent, Journey to Pascha, in the 1960s, a book we Orthodox still turn to for direction. You may wonder why a book written in the 1960s is still relevant, because the basic tenets of the church has remained for nearly 2,000 years. And although I will occasionally roll my eyes at dusty old books written about orthodoxy, this isn't one of those. Schmemann explains that in the early church, when there was only one church, the purpose of Lent was preparing the folks newly converted to Christianity, the catechumen. As church practices evolved, Lent became instead a way to remind us of the teachings of Jesus and to focus on the things that were important. You know, the not judging thing, the help your fellow humans thing, forgiveness, looking to the beam in your own eye instead of annoying the guy with the speck in his, focusing on the point of the religion called Christianity, not the sound bites remade to match the biases of modern man or medieval man for that matter. So we see Lent as beyond fasting beyond sacrificing those lattes and burgers. 
It's really about behavior and using the discipline of the fast to help focus on that. Remember my friends noticing the lower decibel level in my house? Yes, it was still loud, but we were trying to pay attention to how we treated each other, which is so much harder than paying attention to how you treat strangers because nobody is as annoying as your little sister. Parties and dancing and general rowdyism is to be curtailed. Of course, as Ma's Auntie Dionysia would say if one of my cousins wandered in from a night out, Are you the devil? You're killing me with the grief. Go to priest, confess and pray for forgiveness. She was the Greek Lenten military police. Mostly at my tender young age, I got the sorrowful looks of disappointment. But it's not a forced fast, and it was never really supposed to be. That's not how my mother raised us to view the fast. We were doing it for a reason, a good reason, to remind us of why we're here and how we're supposed to live. Partying is great, but it can be a distraction, and sometimes we forget the other guy when we're distracted. It's also time to remember that if you're making money, you're supposed to share it with the less fortunate and find ways to serve them and help them. This is not the Jesus wants you to be rich TV reverend shtick. If you're pursuing money to the detriment of others or without aiding those in need, you're the opposite of what Jesus wants of us. Like, who's that rich pastor dude with the gigantic cathedral in Texas and he didn't want the victims of extreme weather to mess up his carpets? He's the opposite of what we're talking about. Of course, we all step up the giving at this time, and it might peter out a bit until next year, but that's why Lent comes around every year, right? I have ADHD, and reminders are a good thing. Lent doesn't just start in the Orthodox Church. There's a pre-Lenten prep period to get us ready and remind us of why we're doing this. Also, last-minute partying and fun. But as far as the faith goes, this includes the Gospel readings on the Sundays leading up to Lent. The publican and the Pharisee, which is the don't be smug and judgy lesson, the prodigal son, the repentance and forgiveness lesson, own up to your own mess and do better. According to the Greek Orthodox Archdiocese of America, this pre-Lenten period marks the beginning of a time of preparation for the spiritual journey of Lent, a time for Orthodox Christians to draw closer to God through worship, prayer, fasting, and acts of charity. And the days leading up to Lent is Greek carnival. Last chance to eat meat and party before Lent begins. During those three weeks before Lent in Greece, there are masked balls, plays, parades, fireworks, music, and dancing. Check out some of the links I've attached. In the U.S., our population is too small, too scattered, and too much part of the American overwork ethic. But some of our churches have a glendy. It's a party with music, dancing, and sometimes costumes and wine and meat. In New Jersey, it's often held in the church hall. The Thursday before Lent begins is Smoky Thursday. When people empty out meat out of the fridge, grill it and eat it up. AthensInsider.com in their article, Foods That Are Okay to Eat for Orthodox Lent, says Smoky Thursday, or Tskino Pempti, is one final night of gluttony. I read that in Greece you can walk around the streets and villages, and even in the cities, everybody is outside having a barbecue, which sounds awesome. The Saturday after Smoky Thursday is the first of three Saturdays of souls. The dead are remembered and prayed for. Platters and bowls of koliva, a boiled wheat dish with sugar, pomegranates, walnuts, raisins, and Jordan almonds are brought in by parishioners and placed on a table near the entrance of the altar to be blessed. We bring lists of the names of our dead, and during the service, the priest reads them out. 
Afterwards, the koliva is shared with everyone who attended, including those of us who don't know how to make koliva. Traditionally, parishioners then visit the graves of their loved ones and offer some koliva over the graves. My mother was afraid of being buried, so she's in a crypt at the top of a wall. The best we can do is scatter some koliva at the base of the wall, sharing the blessing with her roommates, which is a very orthodox Latin thought, actually. The Sunday after Smoky Thursday is Meat Fair Sunday, the last day to eat meat until midnight Easter morning. It's also Judgment Sunday, meaning the last judgment, foretelling Jesus returning to sort the goats and sheep and gather the sheep to inherit the kingdom of heaven. Sheep, not conspiracy theorists who have trouble thinking for themselves, but meaning the compassionate, showing service to their fellow humans. The ones who fed Jesus when he was hungry, gave him drink when he was thirsty, sheltered, welcomed him as a stranger, visited him in prison, clothed him, cared for him. These are the ones who actually followed his teachings, so he wants them to come along. The goats, not the greatest of all time, the opposite in fact, are the self-centered, judgy, smug ones who think poor people and prisoners deserve their suffering and hate anybody who isn't just like them. They whine, when did we see you hungry, thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick? Jesus answers, whatever you didn't do for the most vulnerable of humans, you didn't do for me. So go be self-righteous over there by yourselves. You're allowed to make mistakes, but ultimately, get it together. We've just passed the last Sunday of Lent, before Lent, Cheese Fair Sunday. Last day to eat dairy products like milk, cheese, eggs, butter, and there are so many delicious recipes for this day. Cheese Fair Sunday is also the Sunday of forgiveness. This is actually more important than eat up the cheese, but food. The gospel lesson is forgive others as God has forgiven you, Matthew verse 14. So don't expect the big guy to say you're all good if you're condemning others and not letting the hate go. Something especially appropriate in these divisive days. Thank you, Presbytera Donna, for listening to my rant about injustice and reminding me to pray for the souls of those committing asshattery. Okay, am I being judgy or just accurate? Working on it, that's what Lent is for. The Vespers for Forgiveness Sunday is beautiful, and Douglas John has wonderful memories of this service in Guatemala, with everyone from priests and nuns to elders and children bowing to each other, asking for forgiveness. It truly impresses upon us one of the most important teachings of Jesus. I see Meat Fair Sunday as a wake-up call. Are you being a decent human being? Cheese Fair is like, if you're not, and nobody is perfect, acknowledge it, apologize for your bad behavior, and do better. I apologize a lot, but I didn't put my heart into it on Forgiveness Sunday because I let myself be distracted by life. I ask forgiveness for my nonsense now, and I'm grateful for the constant reminder over the coming days on how to do better. The Sunday of Forgiveness is kind of the gateway into Great Lent, which is seen as a journey of freeing of ourselves from pettiness and mindlessness and general bad behavior. Clean Monday follows the Sunday of Forgiveness. Now we're in full fast mode. This is celebrated in the majority Orthodox country of Greece as a national holiday. Family and friends go on Lenten picnics, enjoy each other's company in nature, and fly kites. The kites are released into the sky symbolizing the freeing of the body from sin or the passing of the human soul to heaven and God, according to AthensInsider.com. I love this, even as I'm trying to reconcile the potential environmental implications. Are they rice paper kites? They should be. More investigating. Our church Greek school flew kites pre-pandemic on Clean Monday, led by the amazing longtime Greek school principal, Kiriarita. 
How fun is this? While imparting a message of faith and focusing on the purpose of the day, the kids experience the joy of it. We're not suffering by fasting, we're celebrating it because it's bringing us closer to the source, what we can and should be to each other. There's no weddings, dances, or baptisms during Lent. Our parting is suspended for attention to God, to our actions, our thoughts, and our treatment of our fellow humans. Reverend Schmemann said, Lent is not to force, us on a few moral, force on us a few moral obligations, but to soften our hearts and understand as a whole that they make us see, feel, and experience Lent. Now the Greeks are planning, preparing, and sharing meals that are nistissima, Lenten. Year-round Orthodox avoid meat on Wednesday and Friday. Now all meat and meat-related foods are avoided for the duration of Lent. And this also includes dairy and fish with a backbone. Shellfish is okay. Fish is allowed for the feast days of the Annunciation of the Mother of God and Palm Sunday. Alcohol, off the menu, except for communion. Yes, we get the wine every Sunday. And no olive oil. The olive oil restriction has two possible origins I'm aware of. One, olive oil was once very prized and costly, so it's appropriate to abstain. I grew up hearing this one, but in researching this episode, I found multiple references to the ancient method of storing olive oil in animal skins, thus contaminating it for the fast. I thought it was stored in clay or something like that. Maybe that was just the rich guys? Gross anyway, but that restriction has been kept through the years. The diet restrictions of Lent are followed according to the directions of the Tipikon, an ancient book dealing, uh, detailing the required practices during Lent, both liturgical and comportment-wise. So it tells us how to follow the fast and how the Lenten services should be performed. And this brings us to one of the practical differences between different branches of the Orthodox Church. While researching, I came across a post on fasting and oil days on a Texas Russian Orthodox webpage that insisted all oils are forbidden. Greeks consume vegetable oils during Lent. The post said, and I quote, in the Russian church, in the homeland or abroad, there is no distinction between olive oil or any other type of oil, and there never was. The emphasis is theirs, not mine. It continues, it is, in fact, many Greeks, both old and new calendar, who turn themselves inside out, trying vainly to find some justification for their breaking of the rules, permitting the use of vegetable oils on non-oil days, when the Tipikon says plainly, no oil, period. Again, emphasis theirs. The Post further insists the reason oils are forbidden is because they make food taste better. But I don't think tasteless food is the point. I'm not trying to start trouble within the ranks, but I was laughing so hard at this smackdown of my people. In this writer's eyes, we're the worst. In reality, there's a reason for this difference of opinion on the consumption of oils. And there's no Greeks turning ourselves inside out, I promise. There are actually two typikon. One is for monastics, the other for lay people. The Russian church adopted the first, and respect for that. But we aren't monastics, we live in the real world, and by following the Tipikon design specifically for those who are not monastics, we are properly following the rules. I guess it seemed unfair to the writer that we do things a little bit differently, eating tasty food. But that decision was made by the Russian Orthodox leaders way back when, so it's got nothing to do with us. We're all part of the same Orthodox Church. Bringing our cultural differences to the religion is perfect because it brings greater meaning to our practice through it. 
And I'd like to point out our observant Muslim cousins fast all day for a month from dawn to sunset, even refraining from drinking water or chewing gum. Extreme respect. Fasting isn't supposed to be self-punishment. Suffering isn't the point. Fasting is a tool to help us be aware and focused on why we're fasting. Fasting isn't just a sacrifice for God. It's a kind of offering. And offerings are useless if they're not given willingly, without complaint. Growing up, we rarely spoke about the fast with the Ksani, outsiders, unless directly questioned. My Swedish grandma considered it so much Greek hoodoo. It's not a sin to not fast, although it wasn't Auntie Dionysia's eyes and lots of some of the older Greek ladies. But she also wouldn't let me go to the restroom to pee after taking communion, so customs. Complaining or bragging is the no-no. It's private. It's between you and God. If there are health issues or worries about small children getting the nutrition they need, the decision is really up to each observer of Lent. It's between them and God again. As a young child, we followed very strictly, even though my mother hated cooking and gave us the weirdest stuff to eat to follow the fast and called it gourmet. It can be a challenge in the mostly non-Orthodox world here in the USA. We don't want to make a big deal about fasting, but sometimes we have to make a stand quietly and politely. A few years back, my husband, son, and I had lunch with friends during Lent when an ice cream cake was produced for one of the kids' birthdays. The child's family wasn't Orthodox, and this is not an uncommon experience. We wished her happy birthday and said no thank you to the cake. One of the guests thought we were awful parents for depriving Douglas John of cake, but it was his decision, not ours. And if we hadn't encouraged him to follow his conscience, he would have regretted it later. I know my kid. He loves ice cream cake, but it wasn't a sacrifice because he was willingly observing Great Lent. These are ancient practices seen throughout history in many religious or spiritual customs, vetoing desires that can sometimes distract us. A bag of Chips Ahoy is very distracting to me. I will mindlessly glom down a bag when I'm stressing, but not during Great Lent. When fasting, I have to actively not reach for the bag of cookies, which helps me pay closer attention to what I'm stressing about Call it mindfulness if you practice meditation or yoga. I have to try to let go of the judgment and anger as much as I can and look inside. It's what some folks pay lots of money for at retreats and spas. I'm not getting the massages or the cucumber facials. And honestly, I don't think I ever could because they remind me of tzatziki. But I'm moving, maybe slowly, fitfully, towards moments of peace. And trust me, with ADHD, that can be especially difficult. The Greek Orthodox Church of America posted on its website, in the Orthodox Church, Great Lent is not a season of morbidity and gloominess. On the contrary, it is a time of joyfulness and purification. And honestly, I feel healthier at the end of the 40 plus days when I am able to do the fast. I feel good physically and spiritually. And a hamburger at the end of the 40 days never tasted so good. It helps us be more conscious of our actions, whether at church, school, work, visiting friends. We're controlling our impulses, whether it's shouting somebody down, gossiping, or reaching for the chips ahoy. And that's empowering. Let's be honest, I'm still wondering what's for dinner. And Greeks have some of the most delicious ways to follow the fast. AthensInsider.com says, for Greeks, even fasting is all about food. 
In fact, it reflects the rich culinary repertoire of the country. Every year at our original church, St. Constantine and Helen in Orange, New Jersey, the Ahepa organization made and served in the church hall one of the first meals of the Lenten season in exchange for a donation to the charities they support. Fasolada, a delicious white bean soup with salad and bread. It was a wonderful way to start Lent together as a community. And every Sunday coffee hour of Lent can be a revelation in creativity and deliciousness. Kali Sarkosti, Blessed Lent. There are links on our website and in the podcast notes to learn more about Great Lent and the Orthodox Church, Carnival in Greece, Clean Monday Kite Flying, and Greek Lenten recipes from Cooking Made Easy, and Serbian Lenten recipes from the Spruce Eats. After checking out the Spruce Eats, I decided the Serbs are on the same page with the Greeks. Enjoy the food restrictions. Life is good even without meat and butter. I'd like to close with the Lenten prayer of St. Ephraim the Syrian, because it sums up what orthodoxy is supposed to be and maybe helps our non-Orthodox and non-Christian fellow beings know us a little bit better and remind us Orthodox what we're striving for. Lord, cast away from me the spirit of laziness, idle curiosity, love of power, and vain talk. Grant me the spirit of moderation, humility, patience, and love. Grant me to see my own faults and not to judge my brothers and sisters. This prayer is read twice at the end of every Lenten service, Monday through Friday. That's how important it is. That's how much we're expected to behave better, more kindly, and stop being so dang judgy. Whatever your religion, spiritual beliefs, or sense of humanism, I think it's what we're all aspiring to. Peace. Greek Like Me is a South Greek production. This episode was researched, written, and narrated by me, your host, Pamela Diotis Wood. Our producer, photographer, and post-production editor is Douglas John. Lenten music clips are from the Saints Constantine and Helen Choir, led by the much-beloved longtime director E. James Vardakis. May his memory be eternal. Thank you to Jim's wife, Helen, for permission to use them. Special thanks to Live Orthodoxy for allowing us to use their beautiful image of the Sunday of Forgiveness for our episode announcement on social media and on our sources page. Find them on Instagram for more amazing images relating to the Orthodox faith. Visit our website, stealthcreek.com, for resources, photos, links, and more. Please rate, like, and subscribe. It helps us to get noticed so we can keep making contact about Greeks and Greek culture. Until next time, yasas. <laughs>